Welcome to Cornerstone, where we are seeing lives changed through the truth of God's Word and the love of God's people. We're glad you've joined us. Today, we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Daniel Ostendorf. Listen in and be encouraged as we spend some time in God's Word together. This has been a really sweet month if you've been with us the last few weeks. Three weeks ago, we got to worship through Seeds Family Worship, actually, as part of our VBS program. And, um, and then last week, Michael led us in worship, and this morning, Trent, and next week, Jeremy will be here. And, and so I just love, I love seeing our church family. It's going to be squeaky. Let's just do it real quick. There we go. Ugh, it was annoying first service. Um, we're just gonna, so thankful for who God's brought here, and I'm thankful for what God's doing. I, I'm looking forward to next week's baptisms, and I hope you'll join us for those celebrations during first and second service next week, um, to, to, to celebrate with these individuals who have placed their faith in Christ and have experienced the gift and the goodness of new life in Him. I'm also excited about what God is leading us to, and, and I can't tell you how excited I am that for this next year, we're going to walk with this school and say, let's do ministry together and see what God might have moving down the road. It is a school, as I've met with them, that is life-giving because they love the Lord and His Word. They, they commit God's Word to memory with preschoolers through first graders, and those kids go back to families, some of who know the Lord and some who don't, and they share the Word of God with their parents. And it's going to be an exciting, exciting year. So I've enjoyed getting to know the leadership of the school, but it doesn't take long if we would pause for a second to think of the bad leaders in our life. That's not the school, by the way. The school has excellent leadership. Realize that segue didn't work so well. Pause real quick and think about the worst boss you've ever served under. Maybe, maybe that gives you a little bit of a twitch, right? Think about the, um, the most damaging leader you've ever served under. Maybe now heartburn is starting or just think about the leadership that has led to devastating ends in our world, and your heart is just sick. Lord, come quickly. What do these leaders have in common? Perhaps it's greed. Perhaps they're chasing what they can get out of it. Perhaps it's just a love of position and power to be bossy. There are some people who just love telling others what to do. Oftentimes, these kind of leaders are the kind that think that others are there to do the things they don't want to do. Maybe it was the leader who made you do all the grunt work they didn't want to do themselves. Or maybe they were just simply willing to throw anybody under the bus they had to to work their way up the food chain. These are the kind of leaders who think of themselves first and those they lead second. In Scripture and throughout the cultures of the ancient Near East, leaders are referred to as shepherds. We saw this in Egypt, we see this in ancient Israel and throughout Shepherds care, who only care for themselves lead the flock to disease, to death, to neglect, and eventually to dying of dehydration and malnutrition. A shepherd who does not care for his sheep is a terrible shepherd, and we see the consequences in the sheep he cares for. The staff and I and the elders recently read a book entitled The Way of the Shepherd. It kind of walks through Psalm 23, but just biblical principles of what does it mean to be a shepherd. Partway through the book, it's the story, part of the reason I like it, it's the story of a university professor and a student who's about to graduate. He's giving him his leadership advice. Partway through the story, the professor takes the student to a field, and out in the field is a neglected group of sheep. They're huddled up against each other. They're mangy. They're clearly sick with disease as flies swarm around their head. There's holes in the fence, and there is a pasture that has been well overeaten, 
and there is nothing for this, this flock. This flock is dying. They are on their way to death, and the shepherd is nowhere in sight. And the professor says, you know what happened? What happened to get the sheep here? A shepherd stopped caring. A shepherd stopped showing up to, to move them from one field to the next. A, a shepherd stopped caring about the disease and the fly, stopped repairing the fences. A shepherd stopped caring about his sheep. Well, it doesn't take long for us to think of terrible shepherds in the 20th century. I am a history professor, so here we go. Why not? We think about leaders in the 20th century who have focused on themselves, their power, and, and have used that power to, to terrible ends to the death of millions. might include Mao from Communist China, Pol Pot from Cambodia. might include Stalin from the Soviet Union or Hugo Chavez from Venezuela, among countless ever leaders who have led their people to death and destruction. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor I mentioned a couple weeks ago, in the early 20th century in Germany under Hitler, referred to these kind of leaders as misleaders. Bonhoeffer, and this shows you his, his bravery, his courage, gave a speech just two days after Hitler had been elected to power. And in that, in that, in that speech, he said, leaders who do not understand that their authority derives from God end up not using their position and their power to serve the people but instead use it to serve themselves. Bonhoeffer went on to say this, the image of the leader will pass over into the image of the misleader. He will be acting in a criminal way. You see, a leader, Bonhoeffer says, has to lead individuals into his own maturity. A leader cannot lead people where he has not gone himself. You see, the truth is that leaders go first to terrible ends or to good ends. Not only do they lead their people to flourishing and, and through hardship, but they have the ability to set the tone, to set the example, and to set the culture of the people who follow them. Leaders who only care for themselves, guess what? Create followers who only care for themselves. What we know about Adolf Hitler looking back is that in private, he was angry, impetuous, and immature. His leadership led Germany into the darkest days of its history, including the murder of 160,000 of its own people who happened to have Jewish ancestry by their neighbors, other Germans. Over the last few months, we've been talking about what it means to walk faithfully with Christ in the face of difficulty and persecution. In today's passage, 1 Peter 5, 1-5, through 5, Peter's going to point us to the important role leaders play in walking faithfully and leading a group of people faithfully through difficulty. Peter's going to say that the leaders go first because they set the direction, they set the example, and they will determine how the people respond. And so I've entitled today's sermon, Leaders Go First. As we get ready to jump in, would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. We're so grateful that we follow you, that we don't have to figure out things on our own, but we have a Heavenly Father who is good, who has given us his word and his spirit to lead us and to guide us, that we might walk in your truth and the way that you would have for us. So, Father, I just pray that as we open your word this morning, would you, through the words of the text that you have given us and preserved, and through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help us to understand it and then to apply it, to live it out in our lives, that we might be more faithful followers of Christ in our world that so desperately needs faithful followers of Christ. Father, we're thankful to be your children. Thank you for the chance that you give us this morning to open your word. Thank you that you're here with us. To the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, Hitler is probably the clearest example of a misleader, right? If I asked you, tell me the worst leader in the 20th century, that one's a pretty easy one. 
The sad truth, though, is we don't have to go very far to see other poor leaders. The scandals and abuses that have rocked the church in the last 10 years, in the last decade, remind us that bad shepherds exist within the church as well. In fact, the the presence and impact of bad leadership has, I'm sorry to say, always been present. It's nothing new, unfortunately. I would love to tell you it's just a 20th century problem. It's not. Ever since the fall, all bad leadership has been a problem. The prophet Isaiah, or sorry, prophet Ezekiel, highlights this for us in a powerful way. And I think in order to understand what Peter's going to tell us today, we have to understand that Peter knew the book of Ezekiel and was thinking back at what Ezekiel has to say about good shepherds. Now, we don't spend much time in Ezekiel. If I had you raise your hands, who spent a lot of time in Ezekiel in the last year? There would be very few hands raised in this room. It's said to be perhaps the least known and the least studied book of the Old Testament because its subject matter is pretty heavy. You see, the first 25 chapters of the book, a full half of the book, is focused on God's discipline and judgment towards Israel. It's a hard read. You may remember from last week that we looked at this phrase, the judgment begins in the household of God. And I mentioned last week that this was pointing back to Malachi and Ezekiel. There was this long history of God saying, judgment begins with my people before it goes elsewhere. Well, in Ezekiel 9, we get a graphic, a fairly sobering vision of God. And maybe this is why we never make it past Ezekiel 9. But we get a vision of God who who goes through Jerusalem and he marks out those in Jerusalem who have his heart. And then after that, he sends out his messenger of death to kill men, women, children in Jerusalem who don't love and follow him. Now, it's a vision that's given to Ezekiel. But in this vision, Ezekiel is so overwhelmed by the vision that he falls on his face. Check out Ezekiel 9, 8. He falls on his face and he says, Oh, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel and the outpouring of your wrath on Jerusalem? This is one of those really sobering reminders that we serve a God who is holy, just, and righteous. That we serve a God who does not look lightly on sin, even among his own people. And he calls us to faithfully follow him. Well, if we've been fortunate enough to make it through the first 25 chapters of Ezekiel that are pretty heavy, we then make it to the middle section of the book that looks to other people, to the Gentile nations. And then the final 15 chapters of the book, if we get there, there's good news. Because the final 15 chapters of Ezekiel are Israel's restoration by God. And it's in this section, specifically in chapter 34, that we get a word from Ezekiel, well, from God through Ezekiel, about good and bad shepherds. The chapter begins with these ominous words that the Lord calls on Ezekiel to say to the leaders of Israel. Let's check it out. Ezekiel 34, 2-4. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. The Lord through Ezekiel says the shepherds of Israel, God's own shepherds who were supposed to oversee God's people, have fed themselves off the sheep rather than caring for the sheep. They grew fat. They took the best for themselves. When the sheep got sick and died, they failed to come to their aid, to rescue them, to strengthen them, to bind up the injured, to bring back those who had wandered off. They don't seek them out at all. 
And if you haven't run away from Israel under these shepherds, then you're stuck under shepherds who are harsh and heavy-handed and oppressive. When we think about bad leaders we've served under, the ones who abuse their position within the church, within government, within our workplace, within even maybe our home, maybe these resonate. It's too often that these people have used their position for self-gain and, and for power and what they can get out of it out of us rather than to leading and tending and caring for us. Far too often, those who have the responsibility of leading God's people have failed to live up to that call as shepherds. This was the case in Nazi Germany where the vast majority of pastors, I'm sorry to say, supported the Nazi regime. Now, we, we kind of stand back, why? Why would you? Well, the Nazi dream, regime promised lots of things. The Volkswagen bug came out of it. You can get all sorts of good things by playing along. Maybe they put their hope in Hitler when they should have had it in God. Maybe they hoped to keep their head down so that they didn't get attacked for leading churches. Whatever it was, most of the shepherds, pastors, leaders in Germany saved their own skin over leading their people faithfully. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of the very few who spoke out against Hitler. Before that, he was eventually caught and sent to Flossenburg concentration camp. Get this, he was killed in early April 1945. Two weeks later to the day, American troops liberated that camp. Two weeks, and he would have still been living. But instead, through faithful, courageous leadership and a faith that said, I can't stand by and watch things happen that shouldn't, he went to his death for his faith. Faithful and courageous shepherds lead at the risk of great cost to themselves, to their families, and to their churches. And as we've seen over the last few months as we've been walking through 1 Peter, Peter has made it clear time and time again that if we faithfully follow Christ, we will pay a cost as well. And so today, it's fitting that Peter turns at the beginning of chapter 5 to speak to the leaders and the elders of those who are seeking to lead people through difficulty and persecution the leaders who will have to go first, both in persecution and in leading the way. So let's take a look at 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5 this morning. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. We need to, we need to note one of the, the basic assumptions of this passage today is that Peter assumes that as we seek to walk faithfully with, as a Christ follower, we're doing so in community. That we have leaders and elders in the community that have been given responsibility over other believers, that other believers then have chosen to place themselves under those who have responsibility for them. There's a clear structure here that there's a community of believers being led by leaders and elders and shepherds. So let's, with that, let's take a look at verse 1. 1 Peter 5, 1. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. 
Now, Peter, if you've walked with us, has just talked about suffering and how God's disciplinary judgment will start with God's people. And so now it's appropriate that Peter turns to leadership. On the one hand, if, if you're a leader who's not leading well, Peter would want you to hear the judgment part, that God's judgment will start with you as you lead the people of God. The bad leaders of Ezekiel are called out before the people. Judgment begins at the household of God, and first of all, for the leadership over it. This is a warning that's true for me. It's a warning that's true for our elders. It's a warning true for all of our leaders, that God will call me to a higher account and a higher standard because of the position he's given me here, and I need to lead well. If a leader is leading Christ's followers, though, as he ought, with, with boldness, with integrity, with conviction, the news isn't much better. That leader can expect to, to suffer, to, to walk through difficulty, to possibly even be persecuted for leading that flock faithfully. You know, we have this saying that goes, cut off the head of the snake. That is often what times happens with followers of God. Call out the leader, the pastor, the shepherd. Get rid of him, and maybe the church scatters. Let me give you two current examples of this. Pastor Wang Yi on the left is pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church in China. He was sentenced to nine years in prison in 2019. A year prior to that, in December 2018, Pastor Yi and 100 members of his church were arrested as part of a government raid. Early Rain Covenant Church has been bold in their faith. They have posted sermons online in a country that says you can't do that. They have done street evangelism in a country that says you can't do that. And they've, run, they've been audacious and brave enough to run a Bible school for about 100 students in a country that says you can't do that. Pastor Yi is currently in prison as a leader of his church. On the right, we get Pastor Safar Bhatti. He was arrested 11 years ago in Pakistan. As part of his bivocational work, Pastor Bhatti sold door-to-door -door medicine. And as he would enter a home and sit down with his potential customers, he would share about the Bible and he would pray with them in the homes that he visited. Well, some in the community didn't like this very much, and so they spread a rumor that he had insulted Muhammad's wife, or sorry, Muhammad's mother, and he was arrested for it. He denies these charges to this day, and they have yet to be proven. He was sentenced originally to life in prison, and today, Pastor Body is sentenced to death, sorry, in December 2021, that was changed to a death sentence. These are just two examples of leaders of Christian communities around the world arrested and facing persecution for walking faithfully after Christ and leading their people. We're seeing church leaders around the world targeted for standing firm in their faith and for boldly proclaiming the good news of the gospel. So church, if nothing else from today, pray for these leaders. Pray for the leaders around the world who are facing opposition and persecution, who are separated from their families, who are losing their livelihoods as they lead God's people to faithfully proclaim the good news of Christ. Pray for me, pray for our elders, that even though persecution looks different here, we would be faithful to walk boldly, courageously, and with integrity. Well, back in, in the first verse of 1 Peter 5, Peter notes that he's calling leaders not to something he hasn't done himself. It's not like, hey, here's what you should do. I've never been there, so I don't really know what it looks like. No, he says, I'm calling you to the same thing I have done. He says, I am a fellow elder, and in calling you throughout this letter to suffer as Christ has suffered, I speak to that which I have witnessed. You see, Peter knew what Jesus experienced from the religious leaders of his day. He was there when Jesus was chased out of towns. He was there when Jesus was almost thrown off of a cliff outside Nazareth. He was there when Jesus was almost stoned. He was there when Jesus faced persecution for leading his people. 
Peter says, I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't seen done in our Savior by our Savior. And I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done. As Peter writes this from Rome, where he will be killed just a couple of years later for his faith. So Peter then goes on to say in verses 2 and 3, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Peter says, as elders, you are called to shepherd. This is a call to careful, caring attention. Shepherds lead their flock. They feed their flock. They nurture and they encourage their flock. They protect and they guard their flock, the people under their care. Shepherds care about their people. Now, this is the opposite, right, of the shepherds we saw in Ezekiel's day. Because in Ezekiel's day, the shepherds fed themselves. They clothed themselves. They took the best for themselves. They gave themselves the best that was available. And they mistreated and did not care about their their sheep. Peter is saying it should not be so among you, Christ followers. Those leading should not be the same. You are to care for your sheep because they are not your sheep. They are God's sheep. Notice in this text it says it's God's flock and he has given you charge over a portion of it. Care for it as though you were his steward because you are. Caring for God's people. The people he has called out and made his own. Now, Peter in these verses gives us three things to do and three things not to do. But before we go there, I don't want us to miss how incredibly personal this is for Peter. This call to shepherd the flock well. You might remember that Peter was the one who denied Christ three times. the, The night of his trial, the night before his crucifixion. And after his resurrection, that Jesus then traveled to the Sea of Galilee and met with his disciples. And Jesus there asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me more than these? And what was Peter's response? Lord, you know that I do. And what was, Peter, what was Jesus then response to Peter? He said, then tend and feed my sheep. The word used here in 1 Peter 5 that is translated shepherd the flock is the exact same Greek word used in John 21 to tend my sheep. Peter has taken the charge that Christ gave him and he has issued that charge to the leaders and the elders of the church. And Peter, the one who denied Christ three times and was called three times by Christ to tend Christ's sheep, to shepherd them, is now passing the baton and saying, you are called to do likewise. And as you do, Peter says, here's the essentials. He says, lead willingly, not because you have to. Lead eagerly, but not for your financial gain. Lead by example, not through force. Lead willingly. The the Greek here is one of excitement and zeal. Be excited about leading. Be energetic that God has called you to lead a sheep. Church, have you ever worked under a leader who was excited that they got to lead you in the team? My my last job I got to, and it was so life-giving. I wanted to go to work every day because I had a leader who loved us well and was excited about what God had called us to do. But have you ever been under a leader who didn't want to be there in the first place? Who, whether by force or by default, they ended up in a position they never wished they had. And it zaps their energy and it zaps the energy from the entire team. Because not only do they drag their feet through the day and they try to pawn off all the work they don't want to do, they have no excitement for what God might be doing. There is no energy for a a leader who doesn't want to lead about what God might be doing in their life. This is a leader who doesn't want to lead, who wants to ignore their duties, who wants to ignore the people they're caring for, and will allow the sheep to get sick, to wander off, and to be attacked. 
Peter says, that should not be the case among you. No, leaders who get to lead God's people should do so willingly, with zeal. And then secondly, eagerly. Elders and leaders of God's people look forward to caring for his people. They look forward to leading them to the water that is life, that is Christ. And they look forward to walking with them in the path that is righteousness according to God's word. As many of you know, a year ago, if you had said this is where I would be, I would have laughed. I'm like, that's weird. I don't think that's going to happen. I never expected to be in the place that I am today. And yet, you know what? I am deeply grateful. I am overwhelmed with gratitude that I get to be here to walk with you, to care for you, to lead and shepherd and guard you. And even more so, every time I get together with the elders and we meet until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, we have late night meetings because we care about you. And I love walking through and serving you alongside men who care deeply and desperately for you. It's such a deep and incredible honor to be a part of a team of elders who love you deeply, willingly and eagerly. So Peter goes on to say that shepherds should not only be willing and eager, but then they lead not by force, but by example. They must model what it means to faithfully follow Christ. How much damage in each of our lives has been done by the leader who said, don't do as I do, do as I say, right? Go do the right thing, but don't expect me to do the right thing. Like, that's not my thing. How many of us have been damaged by, by leaders who try to ramrod their ideas and force their ways upon us to the detriment of themselves and the organization and their, their followers? The consequences are devastating. But as we think about leaders who have set the example, our hearts grow light and we get excited. I want to give you just one example. Two months, just over two months ago now, uh, at Chris Cook's memorial service, this room filled up. We maxed out every single seat in this room that we could. And, and I looked over, and there were three or four elders standing at the door, realizing what had just ha- what was happening. And they then start running back and forth from here to the kids' wing, bringing any chairs they can find, finding any spaces in this room and out in the lobby, so that people who wanted to be here to honor the Cook family and to celebrate what God had done in Chris's life could. We saw, I saw on that day, brothers in arms, fellow elders who have a heart to serve, have a heart to jump in and help and do what they can. You see, elders are to tend for their people. They're to care for them. They're to feed them. They're to encourage them. They're to lead them, and they're to do so willingly with zeal, with eagerly, with excitement, by setting an example for them of what it looks like to follow Christ. The truth is that leaders have to go first. Psalm 23, we're told this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Scholar Ken Bailey, in his book, The Good Shepherd, a a thousand-year journey from Psalm 23 to the New Testament, notes that in Psalm 23, the good shepherd leads me. He does not drive me. There is a marked difference here. Bailey goes on to share that in Egypt, there's no open pasture land. And so he's often seen shepherds driving their sheep by beating them with sticks. That's how you get them to move. He said that's not the case in the open wilderness of the Holy Land, where the shepherd walks slowly ahead of his sheep, either plays his own 10-second tune on a pipe, or, really more often, sings his own unique call to his sheep. The sheep appear to be attracted, he says, primarily by the voice of their shepherd, which they know and are eager to follow. 
He said it's a common practice at, at midday for shepherds to bring their flocks around a, a well or a spring or a watering hole, and they mingle and they drink and they rest. At the point in the day where the shepherd decides it's time to move on, he gives his call, and all of his sheep, intermixed with all these other sheep, will bring themselves out of the flock and follow him wherever he leads them. This church is how God's people are to lead. To lead in front of, to go first, to lead the way through example by caring for the sheep under their care and so that when they call the sheep to follow, the sheep know they're under a good shepherd. We're to lead the way through the example, through caring, eagerly, willingly, tending the sheep God has given us. I want to stop here and speak for all, to all of us for a second. I think sometimes we can hear a sermon like this and we get locked into this box. All right, these verses, they're only for leaders and I'm not a leader, so this can't be me. Unfortunately, God doesn't let you off the hook. So leaders are not just a small percentage of this room. And the calling on leaders is not just for leaders, though leaders lead the way. No, the calling is for all of us. God is speaking to all of us in this room. For as elders set the example and lead the way, guess what everyone else is supposed to do? Follow in the way that they go. So the calling on elders and leaders is the same calling for all of us. When Paul writes about elders in his letters to Timothy and Titus, men, here's for you. He says, look for men who've cared well for what? Look for men who've cared well for their families, their wives, their kids, and their homes. Look for men who have tended to their flock, who have shepherded well in their home before you call them to be elders in the church. Men, we are called to show the world the love of our Heavenly Father, that we serve a good shepherd as we shepherd the people he has put under our care. And if you don't have a family, this is the people you work with at work. This is the family he's put around you, your relatives, your friends. Do you care for them well? Our wives, our kids, and the world will follow our example. Are we tending well? Ladies, you're not off the hook either, unfortunately. You have a profound influence in the way that you live. When Paul writes to Titus in his letter to this community on the island of Crete, he says, older women, set an example for younger women. They need you desperately to show them what it looks like to faithfully walk with Christ. Show an example to children under your charge and, and to those around you in your community. So what I don't want you to do and I want to call us up to is do not check out and say, this is not for me. No, all of us are called to care for one another and for others the way the Lord has shepherded and cared for us. Elders just lead the way. So Peter's making it clear that elders go first, but everyone else is to follow. Peter recognizes in this text that this is no easy task. Uh, there are challenges, right? I am an imperfect being trying to lead people, trying to lead people who also are imperfect in a world in which we have an enemy and we have our own sin nature and we have a world that's trying to distract us from faithfully following God. So it is not an easy thing. And leaders will often bear the brunt of leadership, whether that's in suffering or in attacks or misunderstandings or miscommunications. And so Peter turns to the reminder that he's given us throughout this letter. The two things to keep our eyes on. Let's take a look at them in verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter says Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, will return one day, and Christ is the chief shepherd, and we are merely under shepherds. We are responsible to him as he leads the way to follow him that others might follow along behind us towards him. 
It's clear again in this letter and throughout that there is this divine authority that God has set up throughout the world. That there is a divine authority in the triune Godhead and in angels in the church that as leaders follow Christ, others follow leaders and, and that this is good and right. So Peter says, as you follow Christ and lead, you're going to face challenges and hardships. So keep your eye on the chief shepherd who shepherds you. And as you do, remember that he, when he returns, there will be a reward for your faithfulness no matter the cost in this life. When Paul writes to a young pastor named Timothy in Ephesus, he writes this in 2 Timothy 4. Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Each one of us, with our elders leading the way, are called to run the race well, to hold fast to our faith, knowing that our Heavenly Father sees and, and our Heavenly Father has promised to strengthen us through His Holy Spirit, and He has promised to reward our faithfulness for eternity in heaven. So Peter then, to make sure we don't miss the fact that this is for all of us, reminds us that we have to follow, and that as we follow, we're all called to similar things. Look at 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The Greek word for younger here is not referring to office or to age. The scholars seem to think that this is referring to everyone else in the church. So you thought that we were talking to just the elders and the leaders in the church. Well, now the rest of you get addressed as well. So all. And he, notice that he uses the, the connecting word here, likewise. Just as I've said to the, the leaders in your church, now I say to you. In the same way that the elders have submitted themselves to the chief shepherd, that is Christ, you are to choose to submit yourselves to their leadership. For God has given them charge over you. Now submit here is that word that we always bristle against, right? We all, oh, I don't like that word in the 21st century America. And we've wrestled with it several times throughout this book. You might remember back in chapters 2 and 3, Paul or Peter reminds us that Jesus submitted to the will of his heavenly Father, and Jesus submitted to the Roman governing authorities that were unjust and wrong. He set the example because Jesus went first, and then he asks us to follow. And then we looked at how Peter, then we are called as Christ's followers to submit to unjust government authorities, unjust bosses, even husbands that don't treat us the way we deserve. That there are ways in which we've been called to submit to authorities because of what Christ has done before us. That God might be glorified. And then a beautiful phrase, that some might come to know Christ and be one to Him. So we're called, church, to, to willingly place ourselves under the leadership of a church. Of those elders who lead willingly and eagerly by going first and setting the example in how to follow Christ. Now it's important, we are not called, we are, we are, we are sorry, we are called, we are not forced to do this. That's an important distinction to make. Scripture does not force us to submit. Scripture calls us to submit. The church, I think one of the alluring mirages of our day is that we can do life on our own. I don't know about you, but I've heard from countless friends and others, we don't really need the church. I mean, I can stay home. I've got the internet. I've got all these things. You know, between grocery delivery, Uber drivers, and mistaking social media for actual community, we are tempted each and every day to think, in the words of William Ernest Henley's poem, Invictus, that we are the masters of our fate and the captains of our soul. 
But we, as Christ followers, know that that is wrong. That is not true. We are not the masters of our fate or the captains of our soul. In fact, our lives in Christ proclaim the opposite, that we have a Savior who is the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. Christ is, and Christ, has, Christ is that, and Christ has placed shepherds over us, his under-shepherds, to lead us as a community, to help guide us that we might walk faithfully, come what may. You know, for all the hits that the church has taken in recent years, whether through misleadership, through the spirit of the age that says we don't need the church, or through just kind of busyness and we don't attend church, Peter here, indeed the entire New Testament, cries out and says, no, you were designed for fellowship with other believers. You were designed for community. Jesus says, I have not only designed you for community, but I have called on men to lead you, elders to tend for you, to care for you, to encourage you, to nurture you, to feed you, to lead you, to do so willingly and eagerly, to, to set an example for you what it looks like to follow me faithfully. And by not being a part of a, a community of believers and placing yourself under the leadership, you're missing out on a key ingredient to walking faithfully. You see, church, we were designed for community. A community that is led by those God has given the role of under-shepherd who tend to their flock, who lead, who care for the people under their care. This community, both shepherd and sheep, is defined by, did you catch it? Humility. Peter writes here in verse 5, clothe, your, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. Know that this call is for all of us. Leader and follower alike, shepherd and sheep, every single person in the church is to put on humility toward one another. The Greek here behind humility refers to an apron that a servant would have worn. I imagine as Peter's penning these words, it would not have been a big leap for him to think back to that night before Christ died, when Christ got up from the table, took off his outer garment, picked up a towel, wrapped it around his waist, and washed his disciples' feet. John tells us in chapter 13 of the Gospel that when Jesus did this, he sat down and told his disciples this, in John 13, 12 through 15. It says, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. You see, Jesus set the example for his disciples. Peter was there that night and he saw this. And Peter in today's passage is saying, leaders of the church, you are to set the example for those who follow you. Leaders go first in humility, in serving, and walking faithfully after Christ, even into persecution and difficulty. Everyone else, choose to follow those kind of leaders. Those who are following Christ, who are standing firm for their faith in the face of difficulty and hardship and persecution. And as you do, things will not always go smoothly. So clothe yourself with humility. The same humility that Christ modeled to his disciples and Peter calls leaders to and leaders have modeled for you. That we would be leaders who would be humble. Sorry, we would be leaders and followers defined by Christ-like humility. The call to humility is for all of us. It's the humility we've seen Christ model. And so I want to leave you with one more passage here. Paul highlights this for us in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 3 through 7. Paul writes this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. Quick pause. Think about the contrast with Ezekiel and those bad shepherds. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Elders in this room, that is what we are called to. We are called to take the form of a servant, to wrap the towel around our waist, and show our people what it means to faithfully follow Christ, laying down our lives and serving them. We are to be an example not only to our followers, but to the world of what it looks like to care and tend for those under your charge in a way that honors Christ and honors his sheep, or cares for his sheep. We're to lead the way as faithful followers of Christ, pointing people to Christ, because leaders go first. Leaders go willingly with zeal. Leaders go eagerly and set the example, leading the, the way so that others can follow. In the same way that Christ went first, now leaders, we go next. Leaders go first, and then their people follow. So church, as I and our leaders go first in seeking to faithfully follow Christ, your call then is are you committed to following Are you committed to following the example of your leaders, to taking on that apron of humility, to serving and caring for one another as we will model for you? Church, from the very beginning, we proclaimed that this would be a place where the truth of God's word was taught and the love of God's people would be lived out in a way that changes lives. And this is what that love looks like. As our leaders care for and tend the sheep, we model for you what it looks like to care and tend for one another to wrap humility around our waist and serve and care for and love well. That is what we're called to. And that is what I hope will be always true of us. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the ways in which it calls us up to who you desire for us to be, who we can be because of Christ. Lord, I also thank you for, oh, what's the word? I can't find it, Lord, but the the grace in your word. Lord, what Peter is not calling us here is perfection. He is saying, follow the Savior. Care for those under your care. Take care of them. Look to their interest and follow Christ that they might follow you. So Father, I lift up our leaders in this church. Lord, you know that we have an enemy who will attack, who will keep us busy, who will discourage us, who will do all sorts of things. Lord, may we our leaders be leaders who not only will stand firm with integrity and boldness and courage to the mission you've called us to, But Lord, would you help our leaders to also walk in continued humility, to care for the sheep under our charge. Lord, we will not do it perfectly, but I pray that everyone who comes through our doors and is part of this community would know that they are loved imperfectly, they are cared desperately for. Father, I then pray for everyone in this church, Lord, that we would be a church defined by that humility, that as we follow those you put over us, Lord, that we would Walk in the way that they set example for us, to faithfully follow after you, to care for those you put under our charge, to tend well the people of God, the people you've put in our life. So Father, we pray all these things in the name of your Son, who set the example, who went first so that leaders can go first and the rest of us can follow. pray all this in the name of our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. For further information about today's podcast or our church in general, please visit us at cornerstonecbc.org. That's cornerstonecbc.org. Thanks. See you next time.